Welcome to Beyond the Balance Sheet, the podcast that helps advisors, clinical professionals, and affluent families understand the complexities of issues related to our mental, physical, and emotional well-being. Our co-hosts, Arden O'Connor and Diana Clark, will interview a series of guests on a range of topics, providing informative content and practical tools for professionals and families to consider. Here are your hosts, Arden and Diana. Hi, and welcome to an episode of Beyond the Balance Sheet podcast. I'm here today with Arden O'Connor, my co-host, and I'm Diana Clark. Today's guest is Rob Lackenauer, and he is a partner and CEO at Banyan Global, has been both a consultant and an entrepreneur. He has traveled extensively throughout the world doing consulting work and entrepreneurial advice work, and... I love the idea that he has written a book that has not only been published in the United States, but it's been translated into at least seven other languages. His current book is the Harvard Business Review Family Business Handbook, How to Build and Sustain a Successful, Enduring Enterprise. So it looks like you're talking about both things, successful and enduring. Welcome, Rob. Diana, thank you for the nice uh, invitation and uh, laying out a little bit of my bio. I look forward to our discussion. Thank you. So, as you know, this podcast is really for families of high net worth, their advisors, and those who serve them. Tell me a little bit about what about working with that population of families excites you or interests you. Can I give more than one answer? Because there are you much can give more than multiple. One. <laughs> Let me try three different takes at that. Uh, so, first of all, you know, we work with owners of very large family businesses uh, in helping them make hopefully great decisions together. And you know, the first reason it's exciting to me is: do, do you remember Archimedes? Give me a lever and a place to stand, and I'll move the world. I think it's become, you know, our place to stand. Family businesses are, you know, family businesses. I'm sure you know, depending on the country and how it's measured, represent 35 to up to 80 percent of all the companies in the world. So it's a huge, it's a huge market, and it's very important. Creates most of employment through family businesses, but family businesses uh, are plagued with just terrible myths. There's a myth that they're fragile. There's a myth that they're hotbeds of conflict. There's a myth that it's all about profit. And we actually find all of those myths, things that we need to, uh, to kind of correct in our, in our work. And the leverage that we have is we've, had, we've been doing this for more than 10 years and worked with you know, more than 200 great family businesses. And we've developed a tool set to help these great companies do great things together. So this, this leverage of helping such important part of the economy do better, it really, that totally excites me. Uh, the second thing is, you know, the way our work is, is our clients are owners of family businesses and they're, they're importantly, they're people. So you know, if you own Apple uh, computer, you own a share, a share of it, but you really have very little to do with it. The people we deal with are real people with real big decisions in, in front of them, and they're making it from a standpoint of not just a, you know, I'm the head of marketing. No, I'm the second generation. It's, it's about my identity, and I work for my mom, and <laughs> my brother is, right, by, is the head of, of manufacturing. So, you're advising not a position but a person. And this time of my career, it's such a 
it's such a great thing because it's so complex, which is leading actually to the third reason I just love working with uh, family businesses is um, I, I ran track in college and the, the event that's the toughest event is the decathlon because you have to master, I think it's like 10 different events and to do the shot put and the 100 meter dash, uh, it's really hard. Working with family business as well, I think is similar in that there's such a broad range of expertise that you need to integrate. You have to, you, know, you have to know business, you need to know group dynamics, legal, tax, organizational design, development, conflict, all of these things. So what happens is by going into this market, it stretches you and it builds your capabilities. So I, and clients themselves just teach you so much so these are the, the big three for me. It's the, uh, the, the leverage of where we stand. It's helping people, and it's the learning that we, that we get by doing it. Rob, that's such a beautiful summary, and in such contrast to the next question I'm going to ask you, which really relates to the title of this podcast. I think with all the competition for content that's out in the world right now, it's important to think creatively about what titles we apply. And, and we came up with this title, I think with your assistance around the worst, are we the worst family ever? Um, and you told us that this was a question that you get frequently. Why would a family ask you that? It does, Arden, come up uh, too frequently. I would say in more than half of the client relationships I've had, at some time, the client will pull me to the side and usually it's, you know, we've, we've had a tough meeting, there's been some conflict or some, you know, in quotes, bad behavior by a family member. And they'll look us in the eye and they'll say, aren't we the worst family you've ever worked for? And what I've learned is, I, I actually think it's, I, I flip it. Um, the, um, if I think about my own family, we have, you know, I got a brother, sister, a mom, and three lovely daughters, and a whole bunch of nieces and nephews. The the burdens on our family, there are many, you know, just trying to get through the life and all of that, but the burdens that are, the decision burdens that are on these family businesses are so severe, I guess is the word, you know. Do I fire my mom? <laughs> I've come to, you know, a client, like, I think it's time I have to fire my mom. So, or do, do I close a factory that our grandfather started? Or do I cut the dividends to my aunt who needs those things. These kind of decisions that are, that are resident in these business families make it so kind of their standard of what they have to behave in is so much higher and so much more difficult to be successful in that I have to say I deeply admire the clients and the family businesses that can do it. If you can make a decision to fire your mom and have a Christmas dinner with her and give her gifts and she gives you gifts back, wow, you've clearly done something that very few families would do. And I would suggest most of the family businesses we work with aren't these hotbeds of conflict and craziness that you see in like HBO succession. They are <laughs> doing hard work to make great decisions and to stay together as a thriving family. So I tell, in the end, I say, no, you are not the worst family we've ever worked for. In fact, most of the time I can legitimately say, you're an amazing family. Let's talk about the challenges that you have and that you're overcoming. I love that. I love that. How, you know, and when you think about the work that you're doing, how much of the professional work that you apply to the families that you collaborate with, do you weave into your own family dynamics? I mean, how much does one inform the other and vice versa? 
Oh, let's see. Both ways, you know. So I grew up in a really great uh, household. My mom and dad both were and are just great parents. Uh, so I do bring that to my clients. But I have to say, I learned so much from our clients that I bring back, uh, try to bring back into, into, into my family, my more extended family now with all my nieces and nephews. And I think two or three things. One is um, great business families have taught me that being inclusive of family, avoiding us versus theming, is crucial to long-term uh, success as a family. Uh, you know, every one of us has many, many dimensions of how we can kind of identify or define ourselves. And I find that families that connect to those things that are common, not different, uh, is what keeps them together. So like if I compare myself to my brother, you know, I'm a capitalist, I'm agnostic, I'm a vegetarian, I'm an independent voter. And my brother, love him deeply, he's a capitalist. He's a devoted Catholic. He's on the paleo diet, <laughs> and he's a Republican. So there's much that we disagree on, and there's much that we share. And what we work really hard on, and I learned it from our clients, is work on those things that keep you together, that, stay, that keep you connected as two individuals, and that other stuff that you know, can be divisive, it, it can kind of go away. Uh, the other thing they work really hard on is the great families, I'm saying, and I've learned this and sometimes apply it, is they let the past go away. You know, Faulkner, William Faulkner, you know, it's got that great quotation, the past is never dead, it's not even past. You know, we all make terrible mistakes that hurt each other. And those families that recognize that we do mis make, make terrible mistakes, hurtful things, and those that can't move beyond that, can't put that in the past, they cannot make great decisions together about the future. So I've learned a lot about how to deal with past, uh, past mistakes, I would have to say. There's a lot that they bring to us that I hope, it's always dangerous applying what you learn at work <laughs> to your <laughs> home. So I, I always do it with care, but I've learned a lot and tried these things. I love those answers. Given what you've told us about some of family dynamics, what would make you or when would you say no to a family? No to a family. So I can, I can take that at least a couple ways. Do you mean no, uh, we won't work for you? Or do you mean no, you shouldn't do that? That's a bad, that's a bad decision. Let me, I'll play with both if you want. I can that would be great. Stuff. Um, so no, uh, we won't work for you. So it's so interesting working for very successful family owners because they're not told no very often. They're told yes, uh, maybe, maybe too often. What we decided as a business, so I'm kind of in the business of Banyan, is that we had to be gentle truth tellers. And to be able to do that, you have to be you cannot be dependent upon your client. You can't have them represent a big chunk of your revenue or say, oh, I can't lose this client, because then you might shade the truth. You have to be independent. We talk about this a lot in Banyan. We have actual goals for, we can't have any client you know, more than X percent of revenue, because then we'd be dependent and we might not make the right, give the right advice in the 
in the best interest of the client. So it's really important to be able to walk away from a cl any client at any time if it's the right thing to do. One of my partners told me this really funny saying he, he has. He, he said, Rob, we've been kicked out of better places than this and we're still okay. <laughs> it's kind of a tongue-in-cheek thing, but it, it, it makes the point that it's okay to lose clients if you think you're doing the right thing for them. The other part of this answer is, what do you mean, no, you shouldn't do that? So there, that's an interesting thing, because what we tell our owners is it's actually super important to answer the question, what do you want as an owner? What's so cool about family businesses is that as owners, you can choose your own rules, you can choose your own goals. It doesn't have to be what Milton Friedman taught us, that you have to maximize profit. That's the only thing a business sh should do. I would say, I don't have a client that's just trying to maximize profit. There's many other things, maybe giving back to the environment, cleaning up their supply chain, not investing in countries they don't believe in, that are not profit maximizing. They do many things that are not. So we, we work hard with them to say, Understand what you want. And actually, if you think about it, Diana, it's one of the harder questions. Like, what do you really want? Mm -hmm. like, it's kind of a stunner question. And I, we, when we ask it, we actually like to let it, let it land for a while because you're like, gosh, I usually don't think that way. I kind of think what I should do <laughs> or what I was right. told to do instead of what. And we say, no, as, a, as an owner, it's important to release the shackles and say, what do I want? And then go back to the question of what do we want, right? And then probably most important in your question is you need to want what you want, but you have to live with the implications of your choices, right? So if you go back to, I don't know why I want to fire my mom today, but uh, if you go back to this uh, person who had to fire his mom, there are huge implications of those choices. So you can want what you want, which is I want mom out of the business. It will be much, much more simple then to do what I want or whatever. But the implications, you have to work through those. So it's, it's usually not saying no, uh, it's, it's saying what are the implications? It's, it's first saying what do you, do you clearly, are you clear-eyed on what you want? And are you clear-eyed on the implications of what you want? And we always talk about family businesses as a system and system is such a pointy-headed word, but the, the take we have of it, the one of the best ways to describe a system is you, uh, you can never change just one thing. So if you fire your mom, that's a change. There are clearly gonna be other implications of that change, and working through the implications is the best way to get a, a family to think about, uh, think about that no word. That's a great, that's a great point that you aren't really changing one element. If you shift one gear in that set of interconnected gears, you're shifting everybody. Everybody in unintended ways. Uh, mm -hmm. You change your dividend policy. It changes, you know, it changes the college that maybe your nephew, you know, goes to, and you didn't never thought about that. So. And so you can never uh, anticipate all of the implications of your choices, but to slow down and think through the family, the owner and the business, at least at that level, and then all of the people and how it influences both the management team and the family. It's a really good practice to slow it down a bit. Yep. So I can't imagine that in all of the families that you have worked with, given the percentages of people struggling with mental health and behavioral health concerns, such as addiction and eating disorders, 
Can you think of a time when that surfaced in a family you were working with and you had to make some very difficult decisions and give some difficult advice? Oh, yes. Uh, it's um, all the time is, I guess, my quick answer. It's, it's, there's usually something going on in most of our clients. Now, it's interesting. You know, at first I have to say, I'm a, you know, I was an English major and an MBA, so I'm not a professional in mental health by any means, nor is anybody at Banyan a professional in that. So I say this with those caveats. But here's what I would observe about some of these mental health challenges. Um, oftentimes they'll be present, we think, uh, with our clients. And what's interesting to me is sometimes they have been or in process of addressing the issue, and sometimes they're not. Okay, let's just take that apart. Um, it's so interesting with some clients you'll talk to and I don't know if I can say the exact words, but you can tell the people who have gone through therapy of some sort because they have a way of talking. It's, a, it's something about a self-awareness of themselves. It's like they can go to the balcony and look at themselves down on the stage. There's some words that are just kind of clue words that, that come up or, or an attitude maybe that comes up. And that, that's important because you go, oh, okay. It's here, and there are at least one, maybe others, who are, are working on it. And that's data you know, that you're working on as you're working through the system. So you, you've learned that they recognize some challenges and that they have the strength, frankly, to start uh, addressing it. Now, sometimes, and I don't know if I can put a percentage of addressed versus unaddressed, but sometimes we'll find unaddressed problems. Now, in our work, our work in some ways is, is very specific, and it is helping these groups of owners, family owners, make great decisions together. And um, what we've learned over the years is um, we'll get a group, say you know, it's a family group, say it's two generations, mother, father, and their, their, their kids or their, the siblings and generation two together. And they'll come, they, after some real hard work, and maybe a lot of emotion in the room, they'll come to a decision, right? Then we'll come back to them, say in a week or a month, and it all will have unraveled. That's, mm -hmm. that's interesting. You'll come back and maybe the same decision or another, you'll put it back together, and then you come back the next time, and the same thing happens, it unravels. When you come back the third time, and if it's unraveling, you, you look through your toolkit and you say, do we have the structures wrong? Have we done the wrong group dynamics? Are the processes right? Are the, the basic communications? All the things that are in our toolkit, if it's beyond that, if we think we have done the right things, if we explicitly talk to the client through all of that, we might say, we're not, we will say, we're not the right advisors for you on this. There's some other issues that are clearly unraveling these decisions that you're trying to make together. And if your goal is to make great decisions together, we got a really good toolkit for doing this. We also have boundaries that we can't, where we can't help. And that's helped me. Because uh, some, I've been in two or three client situations. We just can't keep it together. Something, you know, somebody will throw a firebomb in the middle of the room and go, "Wah!" And, and you go, "What's going on there?" And sometimes we got it wrong. We got to just restart the stuff we do. And sometimes it's stuff that we can't help. The other mm -hmm. thing I'll say about this is it's it's super important in our work to say say it early. You know, the first time we meet a client, we, do the we talk about the boundaries of our business. 
and what we do and what we don't do. We say we're really good at helping family owner groups make great decisions together and we have business people and we have legal and tax and we have group dynamics and we have organizational design and, and development. What we don't do is we're not lawyers, right? Thank God. And what we don't do, we do get applause. <laughs> we say that, just kidding. <laughs> and, then, and then what we also don't do is we don't do therapy, right? We know great professionals, uh, one, who's, uh, one who's on the call here. Uh, we know great professionals who do that kind of work, but we don't do. And the reason we say that early is then we've, we've landed the idea that we will tell you if we can't help. And we'll say we're out of, our, out of a zone where we can help. And that's super helpful because then it's kind of a normalized thing to say we're out of our, we should be going this way. The last thing I'll say on this, because I deeply believe it, and now I'm only in our space, not in, not in a space of mental health challenges. Um, I'm such a big believer, I think my parents gave me this, I'm such a big believer in work, work being the best therapy for many things. Uh, we talked earlier about that past, and how do, you, how do you work through the past? Well, you work on the future, is what, is what we believe. So we have found that if we can get people who have had a rough time in the past together for some reasons, not all reasons, but for some reasons. Um, if we can get them working, there's a slow build of trust that can uh, enable great things, is all I can say. And it's, it's been remarkable what groups who were not confident that they could do great work together, put in the, given the right kind of work in the right environment, all, all this stretching the rubber band but never breaking the rubber band, they can do great things together. So I hope that helps a little bit about how we navigate these situations. It's very comprehensive and I think I'm struck by how thoughtful you are in terms of how you position, you know, when you will be the right resource and when you won't be. And I actually think for many of the families you serve and certainly for the families we serve, we have to remind ourselves as professionals that while they may have plenty of preferences as to how things unfold and views specifically on you know, what should happen in any given scenario, they are bringing us in to be experts in our respective fields. And yes. you know, it's, in t it's essential for us to maintain our own integrity and our own boundaries around what, what we think is right to do versus what we may be asked to do. And I think that's, that can be a hard path to navigate, uh, I think, probably yeah. for both of our firms. Yeah, it goes back to kind of an earlier discussion about, you know, you have to be able to say no uh, to powerful people. You know, truth to power, I think, is essential in, all, in both of our businesses. I agree. I agree. Well, given your career, you know, what stands out to you as some of the most memorable families and, that you've served and why? That is both a great question and, like, the worst question ever. It's like asking, <laughs> it's like three daughters, right? It's like asking, who's your favorite daughter? <laughs> who's your favorite child? Uh, you know, there's, I, I can say this legitimately, there's not a family out there that I've worked with that I don't deeply admire. Uh, again, I go into this, they're making decisions together as families that I just can't imagine uh, doing. The, that this service that you know uh, the press and like succession on HBO does to these family businesses and the and uh, how hard it is and how hard they work and such great people 
it does a disservice. That being so, I'm saying, love them all, <laughs> just be clear. But if I had to choose, or if I wanted to pick a couple, um, there's, there's this one that I thought was so cool. Um, they, they're in specialty chemicals is their business. And one of their very small business units is, makes components for automatic weapons. The family owner group um, were both uh, were wonderful family, lovely people. I can say a lot about them, but the, the, the cut that's important here is half of them are um, strongly pro-gun and the other half are strongly uh, anti-gun, or anti-automatic weapons being available to the American public. Yes, I'd say that they're there. And it's, there's a real rift and divide, and it wasn't 50-50, maybe it was 30-70 um, with anti-automatic weapons, uh, the 70. This is a family that's gone through a lot of conflict you know, in its past, but they got to a place among a big group. We had 20, I don't know, four, uh, across three different generations, all across the United States, come into the same conference room and talk about whether they as owners want what they want to do with this business asset, which happened to make a component for automatic weapons. Their ability to listen to each other, to discuss things in a respectful way, to decide, uh, they, you know, they came in with three or four options and they talked about each one. They gave each person, I think, uh, the stand for, uh, to talk for four or five minutes and everyone, it was, it was quiet as a mouse in there when they were talking. It was so cool to say we're doing a respectful thing where we know we're gonna disagree and in the end they could make a decision together because the respect was in the room. How can you not put that family you know, near the top of the list of a really great memorable family. A mem memorable family, but not only family, but ability to make a tough decision you know, together where there's just embedded, you know, embedded conflict. So uh, that's one I can, I could, if your podcast is seven hours long, I can go through about <laughs> 13 other clients about how they, they've really risen to uh, the tasks that were put in front of them. I do understand why that would be a memorable family. I do think that when families are able to acknowledge that we don't agree and yeah. yet we can still work together as either a family or as a business, it is a powerful force in the room. It was, it was, so, it was so cool. There was, in this family I was just discussing, there was this uh, history, their, their word that I kind of learned from them, value shaming. I'm sure you've heard of value shaming going on. Oh, we're, this branch is better than that branch. When they, were, when they got to this place where they were talking about this issue, no, there was none of that. It was all, it was all ears and respect, and that's, that's a really good place to be. Yeah. So your recently released book for family business owners, why would we call that the go-to book? I, it's a hard, it's kind of like self-marketing question, so I'll refer back to how I think about it, but how other, what readers have told, told us about the book. Um, they, they say, what, I, what we hoped, Josh and I hoped, and my co-author and I hoped they would say, they said, it's comprehensive on a very complex issue of family business. Like you read it, you're like, wow, <laughs> it's like, it's a long book. It's uh, 280 pages, something like that, because we thought it needed to be that because it's a complex issue of how to build a, a successful, enduring enterprise. 
And we, we didn't, we, you know, HBR uh, would not let you dumb down the subject. We treated it as a very adult way, giving a lot of really big tools that made sense, we thought. The second thing is, uh, and I have to credit our, our editors on this, the book is very readable. Although it's, you know, there's some like concepts and things like that, we tell many, many stories. All, every chapter starts with a story, and their story is embedded, because that's deep, deeply believed. That's how people remember things. Oh, you want, remember when Aunt Joni did this? Let's tell the story of, of Aunt Joni, not the concept that's around her. So it's, it's quite readable uh, about how people, real people, they're mostly disguised clients that we're talking about, uh, were making tough decisions together. And finally, we tried to make it, and the feedback we're getting is it's super practical. Uh, we, we had so many comments back saying, hey, I read it. It is a handbook, meaning it's on my back shelf when I get to an issue of conflict or setting up a family office or disruptions in my family business or how to do a shareholder agreement. I know I've got to turn to a manual now, a handbook to... Uh, to help me, you know, help me get started, not from scratch, but from some real uh, advice that's come through uh, working with dozens, hundreds of family businesses. So the practicality was really important, and we're so glad to hear that you know, kind of coming back to us. Um, the other thing I'd say is I think we've said things in the book that really haven't been said about family businesses before. There, when you read the book, I'm sure you picked up the, the focus on ownership in the second section. You know, mm -hmm. uh, there had been a focus in the field about of family business advising, about families, and well, if you settle the family down, then the business can get on with itself. And you know, we really think that ownership is the key. The quality of the decisions and the longevity of the firm matters so much about the decisions that owners make together. You can go across generations if you have owners making good decisions together. So how to use these decisions uh, as a key to keep things together and to change the things you need to, I think is one of the fundamental insights that n has never really been, uh, been made before. So that's my sense of why uh, the book is uh, It's a great answer. So Rob, thank you once again for joining us on Beyond the Balance Sheet podcast. Arden O'Connor and Diana Clark really both that would be me. Appreciate your conversation, your wit, and your wisdom on this today's episode. Thank you, Diana. Thank you, Arden. It was a great pleasure to talk to you and look forward to talking to you in the near future. Thank you so much. We really enjoyed it. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Beyond the Balance Sheet podcast with Arden O'Connor and Diana Clark. We broadcast weekly. Look forward to talking again next week. And if you have found this content helpful, please like us on all of your social media. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Balance Sheet, a podcast designed to help advisors, clinical professionals, and affluent families solve some of their biggest medical, psychiatric, and emotional challenges. Visit beyondthebalancesheet.com to read more about our guests and resources and sign up for our newsletter.